Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. This is in my spirit tonight. I sometimes get a word in my spirit, and I don't know if I can get it out of my mouth that well, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit take care of that, if that's all right with you. We're glad you're out here on a Sunday night, beautiful weather, and um, you know, I've got a feeling it's not going to be too long. We'll have to be here a little early to get these Sunday night seats, because I'm telling you, God is, that's, I print it this big, I think I can read it, thank you. God is... Um, God's up to something. He's up to something in this city. There's a purpose in this city. We've known it. There's a purpose in this region. And we have known it. And I just want you to know that uh, you just keep doing what you're doing. You keep pressing in. You keep praying. You keep seeking the Lord. You keep letting God be God in your life. And uh, he's, you're going to see some things. These testimonies are going to continue to flow. Matthew 11, verse 11. Jesus began it with the word verily. Anybody know what that means? Truly. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. It's a pretty big statement, isn't it? That's big. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and law and the law prophesied until John. I want to preach about taking the kingdom by force tonight. Father, I thank you for the unction and the utterance of the Holy Spirit that is in this place, your glory that is here. Lord, I ask you to bring forth this word according to your ability and not mine. God, I feel like you've got something to say. And I, I ask you to say it. I ask you, Lord, to just let me disappear. Lord, you just bring this word unto this people. And God, bring it deep into our hearts and into our lives. And we'll give you thanks for it. In the name of Jesus, everyone said amen. 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 Verse 11 is important because there's a shift that is taking place during Jesus' life. Jesus' coming brought a crossroads in the plan of God to the earth. And he's talking about John the Baptist. And in the verses prior to this, he's asked them, what did you go out to see? Was it somebody in soft raiment? Was it somebody that was eloquent? You know, all of these things. He said, those that have soft raiment live in uh, king's houses. But John, you know, of course, he was rough. He was eating uh, locust and wild honey. And he was wearing camel's hair and, and all of these things. And he was out preaching a message of repentance. And, and Jesus said plainly that John was Elijah, that when he said that Elijah would come before Christ would come, the Messiah would come, that Elijah would come before him, Jesus said clearly this is Elias. 
If you'll look in, I think, verse 14, it says that. And so John was there prophetically. God had a purpose for him. Uh, it was purpose before he was born, and he yielded to that purpose. And, and, you know, this was, as John has come, he's preaching the message of the gospel. He's doing uh, great and mighty things, and Jesus elevates him. He says that there has not been one among them that are born of women. There has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. And that's, that's just huge. I, I think when you look at the life of John the Baptist and you see uh, things come out of his mouth, like I must decrease and he must increase, then you begin to see the heart of that forerunner and, and that messenger that had to come before Christ. And it shows so much. I know that John the Baptist is highly elevated uh, now, you know, in the presence of God. But then Jesus makes an interesting statement after he says that among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. And then he says, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And, and now John the Baptist is just there. He's just now been there. He's just recently given his life uh, for the gospel message, for the message of repentance, because he would not back down when he stood before the king and, and told him that it was not lawful for him to have his brother's wife. And that eventually cost John the Baptist his life, but he made the right stand. But yet Jesus says he's greater uh, than anyone born among women, but notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdoms. You see the crossroads that is taking place. Jesus went on and said that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force for all the prophets and law prophesied until John. Uh, and so uh, we see this meeting of two eras. We see this meeting of two dispensations. The times are about to change. The way that God is dealing with men is changing right there before the eyes of the people. Now when we talk about a dispensation, we're talking about a period of time that God deals with man with certain rules and certain covenants, certain agreements. God says, I will this if you will that. I will this if you will that. He did that uh, with Adam and Eve in the garden. They were brought in uh, to the world innocent. Their only regulation to stay innocent, to stay pure, to stay living in the presence of God was that they simply do not take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and so they remained innocent until they broke the covenant. Same things happened in the time of the flood. It was the dispensation of uh, conscience. All that man was asked to do was to to listen to the dictates of his heart and let his heart guide him. God promised that I will speak to your heart and I'll let you know what is right and wrong. But yet the Bible said that men's hearts grew, uh, you know, worse and worse, more and more evil and to the place that God uh, even repented that he made man and then uh, that dispensation failed because man did not keep the covenant of just simply listening to his heart. And so that ended in, in a little judgment we call the flood of Noah. And uh, so eight human beings, you know, survived that one. And so now where the, the time has been, the prophets and the law, this has been the time of the law. And it has been coming now for 2,000 years, the dispensation of the law. Here are the rules, here are the regulations, do this and you will prosper, break this, you'll go into bondage. And all of this time that the law is in place, they begin to prophesy. Everything the law does, every time they kill a lamb for the Passover, it's pointing to Jesus Christ. It's pointing to the Lamb of God. It's pointing to a better day. 
for 2,000 years, every time they sprinkled the blood uh, upon the people and then upon uh, you know, the sacrifice and all of these things, uh, uh, then it would signify that there's a new day coming when they would anoint that scapegoat and send them out into the wilderness and, and eventually run them over a cliff and, and, and that would take the sin out of the camp. It was pointing to another day. Now, uh, in the time that John the Baptist comes upon the earth, it had been silent for 400 years. 400 years that God had not spoken a prophecy, that God had not said anything unto man. These were the dark ages. These were the silent years. And then here comes this wild man out of the wilderness prophesying and preaching the kingdom of repentance and the message of repentance and the kingdom of heaven is at hand and, and all of these things. And he begins to stand up and declare righteousness. And, and uh, he also began to declare, and declare restitution that you go back and make up for the things that you did wrong. You go back and restore what you stole. You go back and do uh, things and, and heal back those things that you had done. He, he was preaching that message of repentance and, and, and don't go and live the way you used to live anymore. And so here's John, but John, all the time that he's preaching, he's saying, there's one coming after me. There's one coming after me. I'm not the one. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the light. I'm not that one, but I am that one that was sent before him. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. I'm the one telling you that there's one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. And he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he begins to point toward the coming of Jesus. It's John the Baptist that was baptizing when he looked up one day that he began to reach out and he said to the people, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And so now we've got after 2,000 years of the law and the prophets, now they're living in the last days, literally the last days, the last years of, of the law and the prophets. And John's telling them that there's coming a difference. Jesus begins to preach what? Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For the first time that since God's been dealing with man, it is a message of repentance and it is a message of the kingdom. So Jesus is here on the earth. Jesus is actually preaching and teaching and doing miracles in the last waning days of the law. The waning days of the law and the prophet. God's about to shift gears. God's about to change something. They're about to leave that one dispensation. And, and they're about to enter into a new day. While we were on the Israel trip, somebody said, are you a dispensationalist? And I said, what would that be? I said, I've not been to college or anything like that. I've not had anybody you know, tell me that's what I'm supposed to be. What do you call a dispensationalist? He said, well, a dispensationalist believes that God works with man, you know, throughout history over various uh, rules and, and orders and covenants and, and that the times change and the dispensation changes. And I said, yes, I'm a dispensationalist. But I didn't get that from college. I got that from the word of God. <laughs> Amen. It's good that, you know, that's, that's kind of nice when what you know came from him. And uh, so I'm a dispensationalist. Here they are living. In those last hours of the law, John has been martyred for his message. Jesus says, there's none greater that's born among women than John the Baptist, notwithstanding. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Wow. He that is least in the kingdom is greater than John. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm bringing a new day. 
I'm bringing a new order. It's going to be such a complete change, such a complete difference in how that God is dealing with man that to be least in that order is better than to be the best in the last order. It's better to be the least in the kingdom of heaven than it is to be the greatest in the law and the prophets. All right. It's there. Now, and then he says, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. Two things that Jesus tells us in these three verses that happen until John. Number one, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. From, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. Something must have happened at the birth of John the Baptist. The warfare in the heavenlies must have kicked to another level. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. And then all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. In other words, Jesus said everything else was foreshadow and foretype. Everything else was prophesying about someday. There's coming a day the kingdom is coming. There's coming a day the Messiah is coming. There's coming a day the Lamb of God is coming. There's coming a day that God provides the Lamb. Isaiah 53 is going to be fulfilled someday. Okay, God's going to move through Jesus someday. You know, there's a Isaiah, I think, that God said, I look for somebody to stand in the gap. I looked for somebody to make up the hedge. And he said, there was no man. And then he went on and he said this. He said, so I said, I will send my right hand. I will send my right arm. So God says, I've looked for man to stand in the gap and make intercession. But because man is not doing that, he said, I've already decided to send my right hand man. I've already decided who's at the right hand of the Father. Jesus says, I've already decided I'm going to make up the hedge myself. If man won't intercede for man, I'm going to intercede for man. I'm going to pay the price for man. I'm going to stand in the gap. And so now, here's John prophesying about it. Six months or so after John is born, Jesus is born. Jesus' ministry comes on several years after John does. John's pointing to the coming of Christ. And now here's Jesus on the scene preaching repentance, preaching the kingdom of heaven. And he makes the statement. That from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Now what does this mean? Suffereth violence. When you look this up in the Greek, it it means to force. It also means to crowd oneself into. It means to force or to crowd oneself into. It means to press. To seize. Or to suffer violence. Now I think when we read this in the early years, what we perceive is that, yeah, Satan rebelled against God. And there was a mighty war in the heavens. And the dragon and one-third of the angels of God were cast to the earth. And so, yeah, that's the violence the kingdom of heaven has suffered. I don't think so. First of all, I don't think so because before Adam was ever made, Satan rebelled and was cast down. He's talking about another day. He's talking about a different kind of violence. When we think of violence, 
You know, we always think of, you know, a criminal activity. Somebody imposing their will upon another. But when you look at this, that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And then you see that it means to crowd oneself into. It means to press. It means to seize. He's not talking about a negative violence here. He's talking about something that's good. He's talking about how people approach the kingdom of heaven. And so suffering violence to force, to crowd oneself into, or to be seized, it kind of reminds you of the woman with the issue of blood. She needed a miracle. She had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all that she had on the doctors. She was not any better. The law said that she had to stay out of society. She could not be in the temple. She could not be out among people. She was unclean because of her bleeding. And yet this woman who should be bound to her home should be weakened enough really not to be able to get out of bed. Yet she hears that Jesus is coming to her town. She hears that Jesus is passing by. She does not hope that he will hear about her situation. She does not hope that he will come by her house. All that she knows is that the one that she has heard has done so many miracles the one that has brought the kingdom before Israel is passing through her town. She rises up in the day of the law of Moses and she violates the law to get to the kingdom. She violates the law to get to the kingdom. Jesus is passing by. Well, I hope somebody in that crowd tells him about me and he comes to my house. No. She gets up she gets out of her house. She finds out where Jesus is. When she gets there, there is a crowd around Jesus. He is walking. He's trying to get over to Jairus' house before Jairus' daughter, some people say Jairus. I don't know. I've never known the man personally. I call him Jairus. He's trying to get there before his 12-year-old daughter dies. He has been asked by this man to come. Jesus is en route, but as he is en route, many people are thronging him, crowding into him, bumping into him. Jesus was a celebrity when he was healing the sick and working miracles and feeding the hungry. Jesus was a loner when he started teaching the kingdom. The same people that thronged him to see miracles departed when doctrine came. Isn't that something? See, today in the church realm, we equate big crowds with big success. That's not always true. And so they all followed him until he began to say, hey, they said, give us some more bread. Man, we don't have to work anymore. We don't have to go to the butternut store anymore. 
We don't have to go and get the day-old stuff anymore. Just give us some more bread. He said, you want bread? I am the bread from heaven. What? I am the bread from heaven. If any man is going to have a part of me, they're going to eat this bread and they're going to drink my blood. See ya. No bread today? The apostles, you mean they're not handing out bread? I'm telling you, I am the bread of life. I'm the manna that has come from God. Moses, your father, gave you bread in the wilderness and yet you were hungry again. But I'm going to give you something that's going to fill you up. So what you're telling me, Jesus, is that you're not giving out bread today. Okay, we're going home. Right. They wanted the miracles. They wanted the blessing, but they didn't want him. They didn't want him. And so, (laughs) how did I get there? Here we are. (laughs) Jesus going through this town. This woman comes, and there's a crowd about him. And she says to herself, Self, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Now, that's the way you need to talk to yourself. Amen? Stop telling yourself it's hopeless. Stop, Stop saying to yourself that he'll touch other people, but he won't touch you. Amen. Start talking like this woman. Self, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. This woman been bleeding for 12 years. Starts pressing through the crowd. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. This is not even etiquette of the day. You know what I mean? It's a woman pressing through a crowd. A woman pushing aside men to move ahead in the crowd. This is unheard of. But here she comes, pressing through the crowd, and she reaches out. She sees the garment. What he, she's talking about the hem of his garment, where the tasseled ends of his robes. And she sees those tasseled ends of the robe of Jesus, and she reaches out rudely, violently. She pushed herself in. She reached out and touched the hem of his garment. She was healed. And she just stand back in the crowd. Jesus going along feels a drain of virtue. Virtue left his body. Somebody tapped into him. He stops and he says to the disciples, he said, who touched me? They said, Jesus, Are you getting warm from the sun? What do you mean who touched you? There's a crowd all around you. They're thronging you. They're bumping into you. You're being bumped into on every hand. Something wrong, Jesus? Are you tired? What do you mean who touched you? He said, I felt virtue. Leave my body. He's not asking who bumped into me. He's asking who touched me on purpose. He's not asking who happened to connect a little bit. He's talking about who touched me by faith. You see, she didn't bump into Jesus. She tapped into Jesus. Mm. She tapped into Jesus. And it's such a significant faith that he felt the virtue 
leave his body. I understand that. I, I feel that. That happens when you're praying for people. You feel that discharge of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And, and so the whole crowd stops. Everything gets silent. Jesus looks around. Who touched me? The woman is there just kneeling and trembling. And, and she says, I, it was me, Master. I'm sorry. And he said, your faith has made you whole. Amen. She, she took the kingdom by force. She crowded herself in to the kingdom. She seized upon it. See, I've, I've been in this a long time. I've been preaching longer than I've been alive. Almost. Because I feel, you know, I feel that I'm younger than I am. But I've been around this a long time. And I, re- I remember, there's things about the old days I'm glad we moved on from. But there's some things about the old days I remember and I miss. I remember when people tarried around the altars. Anybody remember that? How many don't even know what I'm talking about? All right. I remember when people... It was usually after the message. And they would come into the altars and they would just stay and stay and stay and stay until God moved. They would just stay. I remember when service was supposed to start at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, uh, Sunday night. And it was usually about 7.30 or 7.45. I don't know if that happened at your church, but it happened at ours. And they'd start off with some testimonies and that did not mean testimony that meant preaching time for whoever wanted to preach and people would get up and preach a while and then they'd sing a while then they'd take the offerings and they'd do all this stuff then they'd preach hard for a while then people would get in the altars and pray and pray and pray so we'd start around 7.30 we'd get home by 11 o'clock on Sunday nights routinely Okay, I mean, if we leave here at 11 on Sunday night now, you know God has been in the house, right? I mean, you know, if it's routine, we're out by 8 o'clock or so. That's good news for you that are watching your, your clock. So, but I, I remember people pressing, crowding, pushing, seizing. I remember people saying, I'm going to get something from God tonight. I have to get a hold of God tonight. We've got to get it done. I've got to get a hold of him. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, there are people who do this. There's people that, that seized. There's people that forced themselves upon the kingdom. There's people that, that seized upon it, that reached out and, and took it. There's people that crowded themselves in. I'm one of those. I shouldn't be in the kingdom. I crowded myself in. You know, I didn't have the lineage there's preacher's kids who were preacher's kids who, you know, of preacher's grandkids and all this stuff. And, and they got good churches to preach in even though they couldn't preach. Because daddy was a preacher and granddaddy was a preacher and great granddaddy was a preacher. But I just, I just bullied in. I just got in there. Pushed my way in. Because I had an unction, had a calling, had something inside of me. that said, this is mine. And, and so there was a centurion that came to Jesus said come and heal my servant we're in the waning days of the law 
Jesus is not there for the Gentiles. He's there for the household of Israel. But he says, come and heal my servant. Actually, he says, would you pray for my servant? He's sick of the palsy. Would you just pray for him? Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Master, my servant, laugh at home, sick of the palsy. I will come and heal him. The man says, oh, don't come. I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. He said, speak the word only and my servant shall be made whole. Just speak a word and my servant will be made whole. You don't have to come to my house. Your word can move. Your word can get there. Speak a word only. He said, you see, I am a man under authority. And I have those that are under me. And when I say to this one, come, he comes. When I say to that one, go, he goes. This is a centurion. This is a man that probably had 1,000 men under him. And he said, I tell this one to come, and he comes. I tell this one to go, and he goes. He said, I have authority, but he also said, I'm under authority. I have been given authority by the kingdom of Rome. And what I tell these men to do, they do. When he said to Jesus, speak the word only, what he's saying is, I know who you are. You have authority from the kingdom of heaven. Like I've got authority from the kingdom of Rome, you've got authority from the kingdom of heaven. Because I have authority from the kingdom of Rome, what I tell these men, they do it. Because you have authority from the kingdom of heaven, what you say will happen. So you just speak a word. Jesus stopped and said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. He said, I come for you and you don't have the faith of this Gentile man. And Jesus spoke the word and his servant was made whole that self-same hour. Amen. One other time and I'll move on. There was a woman that came to Jesus. And she is at a long distance from him and she cries out and she says, Master, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Would you heal her? Jesus ignores her. Pays her no attention. She comes a little closer. She cries out, Master, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Would you heal her? She is a Gentile woman. I want to say Syrophoenician, but that sounds like the Old Testament. Is that right? The Syrophoenician woman. And so the disciples say to Jesus, send her away. We're having a good day, and now this woman's back here yelling at us. We're just going along in ministry. We're having a good day with you, Jesus. And this woman is bothering us. She's out there crying from a distance. Master, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Would you heal her? And they just said, Jesus, send her away. But then she came near. She came near. She came to Jesus and she bowed at his feet. And she said, Master, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. 
Would you heal her? He said, it is not good for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. People get offended with far less these days. (laughs) It is not good for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Now, one thing I find out from that is that deliverance belongs to the children. The children of God. It's the children's bread. Okay, that's not the message though. So she says, I want you to heal my daughter. He says, it's not good for me to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She's a Gentile, it's not her time. Later, later the gospel will go to the Gentiles, but not now. It's for the Jews. And so she's on her feet. Jesus has just called her a dog. A Syrophoenician dog. I can't heal your daughter because it is the children's bread right now and I'm not gonna take it and give it to the dogs. She says, truth, Lord. Truth. Yet, the dogs eat of the crumbs from their master's table. Jesus stops and says, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. She got him. She got his attention. She took the kingdom. It wasn't time, but she took it. She crowded herself in. She seized upon it. Why was that so important what she said? I'll tell you why. Truth, Lord, she doesn't argue the fact that she is there out of time. She knows she's not a Jew. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs from their master's table. When she said their master's table, she made him Lord of her life. See, Lord is master. Same thing. Their master. She's saying, hey, I may be a dog, but you are my master. And I am going to eat of the crumbs that come from your table and nothing else. She also acknowledges that this thing that she's asking Jesus to do is not a great feat for him. It's really just some crumbs. When she made him Lord and master of her life by saying, I am a dog, yes, but I'm not anybody's dog. I'm yours. I'm not going to eat from anybody's table. I've come to your table. Hallelujah. Huh? I'm going to eat of the crumbs from my master's table. Jesus said, your daughter, even as your faith is, so shall your daughter be. And the Bible said that her daughter was made whole from that day forward. In the self-same hour. Her daughter was made whole. Her faith wasn't for her daughter to be better. It was for her daughter to be whole. These people, this Jewish woman with the issue of blood, the centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, these people took the kingdom of heaven with violence. Not a bad violence. He's not talking about, he's talking about force to crowd oneself into 
to seize upon it, to press. And so this, the kingdom suffers violence. He didn't say that it had stopped suffering violence. He said even now it's suffering violence. And then he said the violent take it by force. Now this is really what I want to get in your spirit. The word violent here in the Greek has two interesting definitions. One is a forcer. Of course, if suffering violence is to force, then the one doing that is a forcer. So, so that one, so yeah, that's cool. I understand that. Then the next one is energetic. And the energetic... Take it by force. Hmm. The energetic take it by force. Could that line up with any other scripture? Probably so. In James chapter 5, verse 16. Sorry, I didn't give you this one. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. (laughs) That's a different message. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual fervent is not... Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I don't know why people think they can only die at night. That's not effectual fervent. Bless the veggies, bless the meats, bless the food I've already eaten. It's not effectual fervent. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my sins, debts, trespasses. I forgive those that sin against me. Lead me not into temptation. What time is it? (laughs) But deliver me from evil. That's not an effectual fervent prayer. Now make no mistake about it. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my sins and I forgive those who have sinned against me. Lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and thine is the glory. Make no mistake, the words are powerful. But it's how you pray that makes the difference. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. There's, we pray prayers, but there is a time we pray prayers.
There's a time we we got to get a hold of God. There's, we posture ourselves in prayer, and there's a time there's no posture to it. Amen? There's just no, we don't care if the neighbor's here. We don't care if the kids know we're praying. We don't care what's going on. Amen? We got to get a hold of God, and we got to get a hold of God right now. We'll do it in a hospital ICU room. We'll do it down in the emergency room. Wherever we got to go, whatever we got to do, we got to get a hold of God. We got to get a hold of God now. That's an effectual fervent prayer. He said the violent take it by force. Violent being a forcer or violent being energetic. Amen. So many times, and I've seen, I started to say that earlier when I drifted away into the past, that, that people would press in and they would work hard around the altars. But then we got into a time that the prophet begin to rise back up and revivals begin to consist of a man saying you come here and God's got a word for you and God's got a word for you and God's got a word for you and we started sitting back waiting for somebody to step up and call us up out of our seat and to tell us what God wanted to do for us and just see what the Lord would do then and, and if they didn't call us we didn't go and we lost something church I'm telling you because you cannot posture yourself in the position of saying if God wants me to have it then God will give it to me. Que Sarah, Sarah. This is what will be, will be, right? What will be, will be. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. We've got millions of people praying for people like this. Oh, dear God, I ask you to heal this person if it be your will. And, and we just trust in your will. And we just ask you for your will to be done. And whatever your will is, then that's what we will accept. Hope it goes well. Let's go get a cheeseburger. And, and that's the way people are praying. They don't believe for one minute that God's about to interrupt that life. They don't believe for one minute that that disease is about to meet up with the kingdom of heaven and the power and the authority of the kingdom. What they are doing is bailing out. What they are doing is saying, I'm gonna come and pray my routine prayer and then I'm gonna go get me a cheeseburger and if you don't get any better, then you pin it on the will of God. Let me tell you something right now. You can accept that kind of prayer if you want to or you can rise up and say, God, you said to Jeremiah the prophet behold I am the God of all flesh and there is nothing too hard for me and Lord I am in the flesh and my flesh needs a healing and there is nothing too hard for you and I ask you God who can do all things who is the God of all flesh that there is nothing impossible unto you I'm asking you to move this thing out of my life and I tell it in the authority of the kingdom get out of my life Amen. Amen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The violent take it by force. I'm telling you, we're moving out of our comfortable days. America's moving out of comfort. It's getting harder to meet the bills. And people are gonna have to start praying again for God to move. You're gonna have to rely on the Lord like never before. Christian ethics and morals are not the standard of America anymore. You see, you go back into the 50s, generally what Christianity said was right and wrong is what American society said what is right and wrong. Things begin to change in the rebellion of the 60s. And then the great drug, what would you call it, you know? The, the drug uh, epidemic began to take place. No longer 
Is American ethics the same as Christian truth? No longer. Somebody said, one of the leaders of the Republican Party recently said, the Republican Party is going to have to embrace same-sex marriage if we're going to ever win the presidency back. And I thought, dear God, it's time to start a Christian party. Somebody's going to have to step up. I'm going to call John Hagee and tell him he's the man. Or I'll tell a secretary. I doubt that he'll get my call. Somebody's going to have to start a Christian party because they're attacking us. You see, recently the hate bill legislation they've been talking about aimed at silencing things like preachers saying that homosexuality is an abomination before God. Freedom of speech is leaving America. Freedom is leaving America. Where are you going to stand when all of a sudden you have to water it down or speak the truth? You all better start putting aside money for my bail. (laughs) If they'll give me bail. (laughs) I'm telling you, times are changing. We're going to have to learn how to pray again. We've been comfortable for several generations. The bills are paid, money's in the bank. They take out some money for your retirement, put it in the stock market. The stock market just blossoms and you're able to retire on 10 times the money that you put in there no more. Times are changing. Money is failing. All that men worship is falling. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. I believe there's prayers in this house. I believe there's people that know how to get a hold of God. And I tell you, the devil always overplays his hand and he's going to overplay it again because he's going to put us in the position that we have to do it. When Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, the, the great general said, I'm afraid we have awakened a sleeping giant. Well, my Lord God, the church of the living God, Universal. This giant needs to wake from its sleep. Wake itself up and rise up with the weapons that God has given to us. The violent take it by force. I believe that he's talking about us seizing upon the kingdom, but I've seen something new. I've seen something in addition to that. I don't think he's only talking about us seizing upon the kingdom. Let's read it like this. And the violent take it by force. Where are you taking the kingdom? Where are you taking the kingdom? Let that marinate for a minute. The violent... I don't think he's just saying that we take the kingdom of heaven for us by force. I think he's saying we're taking this kingdom into enemy territory. We're taking this kingdom. Mm. I thought about the, the running backs in football. You know, when the quarterback hands the running back the ball, the, the running back don't have to take it by force. 
that's a smooth transition. Eloquent sometimes. They're moving across and all of a sudden they just receive that running back. But the moment he gets that football, if he's going to gain any ground, he's got to take it by force. You hear me? The moment he gets the handoff, every enemy on the other side is after him. Everybody wants him to go down. Amen. This got in my spirit. I thought, my Lord, that not only is God encouraging me, it's Jesus encouraging us to seize upon with force or energy to seize upon the kingdom. But now that I've received the handoff, now that he has deposited into my bosom the kingdom of heaven, amen, it's time to take ground. It's time to take the kingdom of heaven to work with you. It's time to take the kingdom of heaven into the highways and the byways. Oh yes, I got the deposit of the kingdom within me. I prayed for it. I sought for it. I cried out for it. I labored for it. I asked God to give it to me, but he didn't give it to me to sit down and say, I got the kingdom. Amen. He gave it to me now. What am I gonna do? Now where am I going? Where am I going to take the kingdom by force? Where am I going to take it? Everywhere that you go, you should be taking the kingdom with you. Amen? You've received that handoff. You've received that deposit into your life. You asked for it. You worked for it. You labored for it. You cried for it. God put it in you. Amen? You watch and see. You go to work to do your job. It'll be all right. But you go to work to take the kingdom with you. All of a sudden, those co-workers are getting ready to tackle. You go in there to build a Toyota, they don't care. But you go in there with the kingdom. Every dark spirit Everything. They can, you can go in there and talk about your party all weekend. You go in there and talk about homosexuality. You go in there and talk about being a Wiccan. You go in there and talk about false religion and all that stuff. And everybody's got their mind open wide. Hey, man, whatever you want to do, you do your thing. It's all right, but you mention the name of Jesus. Amen. Ears perk up. People stand strong. Spirits are moving in the realm of the spirits. Amen. You've got the kingdom. You've prayed for the kingdom. You've given effectual fervent prayer. Now, take it somewhere. Now, take it against the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Take ground with that. All of a sudden, the enemy's ready. Everybody is, they've got their eyes on you. In the office, same way. Don't matter if you're the party girl in the office. Oh, but you be the Pentecostal girl. <laughs> You'd be the party girl. They say, hey, party on. Tell me about your party. You'll talk foul and filthy and they'll blush and walk away giggling. Amen. But you take the Holy Ghost with you to work. Ah. Take it. Take the kingdom.
by force. Where are we taking it? We're taking the kingdom to Winchester, Kentucky. We're taking the kingdom to Clark County. We're taking the kingdom to this region. Every county that touches our county, seven counties touch our county. And that right now, that is our region. That is our focus. That's where God's got us praying over it. And, and we, we pray over it. I was mowing the yard the other day, and it was awesome because nobody could hear me. And I just, I just, just, just did warfare the whole time. I'm just going up the hills and over the <laughs> things, you know. And I'm just telling the principalities and powers and dominions and mights. And all of these things, I'm telling them about who's king. I'm telling them about who's the Lord. I'm telling them about what God's able to do and who God is. My, 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 my. What if that was a dozen people praying that prayer? What if that was 50 people praying that prayer? What if that was 100 people praying that prayer? Amen. The people at work would never know what happened. Amen. Because all of a sudden, you've been attacking the devil behind them. You've been attacking the one that makes them not like you. You've been attacking the one you love, the person you work with. But you war against that spirit that is behind them. And you get down on your face and you begin to shed tears because old Joel Smith at work is a foul and ornery guy and he's on his way to hell but you're not going to let him go to hell without a fight. You're not going to let him go to hell without some intercession and so you're going to get a hold of God tonight and cry out to God. Amen. Oh the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Somebody seized upon it with violence and then they took it somewhere by force. Hallelujah. Well, I'm doing all I can do. I'm living my Christian life. That's all I can do. I just get me to heaven. That's all I can do. No, it isn't. It's not all that you are called to do. If God just wanted to get you to heaven, he killed you the day you got saved. I've said that for years. If God just wanted to get you to heaven, he killed you the day you got saved. You come for an Xbox, you came up and met Jesus that night. He said, oh, Shannon's ready to go to heaven. Boom. Louisville slugger, meet Jesus. I see it right now. Shannon with his head bowed. Dear Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Mm. Oh, hi, Jesus. <laughs> if God just wanted to get you to heaven, he'd killed you the day you got saved. He left you here to be a weapon. He left you here to take the kingdom with you everywhere you go. He left you here to be a living testimony, a living witness. He left you here to take that kingdom. Brother and sister, it doesn't bother me anymore that we're fighting principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and, and, and wickedness and high places and all of these things. You know why? Before I ever knew we were fighting them, we were still fighting them, right? Now I just know that we're fighting them and it doesn't bother me anymore because I'm on the right side. I'm serving the right master and he's He's got the right authority. He's got the right power. And I've already read the back of the book, uh, The Devil's in the Lake of Fire, and I'm in the kingdom, amen. I'm wearing a robe of white. I got crowns on my head, amen. I'm gonna win this thing. And when the devil tells me I can't win, I can just say I already have. It's already won, amen. The old saying, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. I've told more than one demon, your, your future is in the lake of fire. Your eternity is going to be away from God because you've walked away from God. And I'll tell you what, more than one has said, I know what my end is. They know. Don't be afraid of the enemy. They're afraid of you. They're afraid of you. Not sleepy you. Not complacent you, but violent you. Yeah, 
violent you. The kingdom of the enemy knows he cannot stand when we rise. When we stand up in the name of God, he's got to go. Take the kingdom by force. Stand with me. Hallelujah. The violent, take it. Take it. Have you got the handoff? You're ready to go. Teenagers, your prayers are effectual to God. You might say, well, brother, I cry every time I pray. What's wrong with me? I'll tell you what. Pray every opportunity you get. Let those tears fall. God loves them. He bottles them up. God knows the tears of the righteous. I remember when I, I cried puddles of tears. My pastor would talk about it. Two, two, two puddles the size of a man's hand. Tommy Hall praying at youth camp. And he left those tears on the altar. And it was precious. That's been 35 years ago into the kingdom, fresh and tender. And I fought a lot of battles. If I cried in battle, I'd be crying all the time. I'm tender-hearted. I hate running over an animal on the road. Hate it. I don't hate it so much I'm going to leave the road for them. <laughs> I mean, but I hate it. I feel bad about it for a while. But there's nights, I thank God, I wish I could cry like I used to cry. Warriors get tough skins. There's nights I'd like to leave puddles at the altar again. If you're crying when you pray, just keep praying. Keep crying. Stay a crier as long as you can. And too many times I've had to choke back tears so I can minister to somebody that was hurting. It's not very good for the preacher to show up at your family's funeral bawling. You need comfort, you need strength. But sometimes you remember those days. Oh, I'm saying to you, take that tender heart to God. I'm earnest and I seek him and I love him and I believe in him with all of my heart. And I believe he's got a harvest like we've never seen before. But I think it's behind enemy lines. The people we want are behind enemy lines. And I want them all. 
I want every young person in this county to come to Jesus. And I want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And step up to battle for the kingdom. How many of the lost do you want, Pastor Hall? I want them all in Winchester. I want them all. But if we're going to get them, we've got to go behind enemy lines. Before we ever get them, we've got to pray for them. We've got to cry out. When I pray, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People say, oh no, that's just talking about in these earthly vessels. You pray it your way. I'm praying for the kingdom to come to earth. That God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe clearly Jesus is not in in my earthly vessel. He's talking about us drawing, drawing, pulling the kingdom, pulling the kingdom. That's what we do when we praise and worship. That's what we do when we kneel down to our face. That's what we do when the tears stream down our cheeks. That's what we do when we cry, holy, holy, holy is God in an unholy world. That's what we do when we say, I believe you're my healer. I believe you're all that I need. I believe you are my portion. I believe Amen, that's what we're doing. We're pulling, we're pulling. Amen, we're tugging on the hem of the garment. We're pulling the skirts of God. Come on. Hallelujah. We're pulling. Take, the word take means to seize, catch away, put. Pull or take. Pull or take. God, I'm gonna pull this kingdom to Toyota. I'm going to pull this kingdom to the medical, the, the medical areas. I'm going to pull it, Lord, wherever I go. Amen. Certainly pull it to your house. Pull it to your house. Amen. I remember when women that had unsaved husbands used to pray, God, don't let them sleep at night until he comes to know you. God, don't let his food sit in his stomach well until he comes to know you. I remember praying like that. Those poor guys didn't have a chance. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.